Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, what's good, what's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Thursday. Just got back to the studio from the Raiders practice facility in Henderson. Another practice in the books. Another OTA um, practice session, I should say, wrapped up. We got a chance, the media that is, uh, to check it out today. So we were on the field for two hours. Uh, A little bit cooler today. Not much, but a little bit cooler today than it was last Thursday. Lots of observations uh, from what we saw at practice today. I really like the foundation that the Raiders are laying, um, especially with what looks to be a more physically um, enhanced, maybe, I don't know what you want to call it, run game. Uh, I, kn- I got some pushback on Twitter from, uh, I think it was Mike Gillespie, a good friend, no um, uh, you know, no worries, nothing personal. But he was like, you know, oh, that's an eye-rolling comment right now at this point of the season. And it's like, I'm not saying this is going to carry over to the regular season, but you can tell watching the way this run game is being structured compared to what the run game looked like the last couple of years, it looks different and it looks more physical, like they're going to get after it. And we're going to get into some statistics uh, from where this offensive line coach, this offensive coordinator, and this head coach just coached where they just coached and look at what they did in their run game um, and and understand that maybe there is something to be said about scheme, about intent, um, about uh, a willingness and a mandate to be physical and in attack mode and run in a bunch of different ways too. The Raiders today, when we were watching them, uh, ran the ball uh, or, or 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 showed just about every kind of way you can attack a team on the ground: sweeps, inside runs, outside runs. Um, you know, uh, there were a couple of screen passes that uh, that that they threw too, which I'm sure our guy Lincoln Kennedy is going to be really uh, happy and excited about. But there was an intent and a physical intent, and it started along the offensive line. They got after it on the offensive line uh, today, and I know that it's you have to keep it in the perspective of what it is, but it looks different than it did last year, and that's all I can report on. That's that's my job is to report what I'm seeing, and I'm seeing a different intent at least. Uh, in the run game, and I think that bodes well uh, moving forward. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some really nice footballs that were thrown by a guy by the name of Derek Carr to a bevy of wide receivers and tight ends uh, that he has, including also, got to give it up for Jared Stidham. I was watching Jared today, uh, the young backup quarterback that the Raiders acquired from the New England Patriots, put some nice balls uh, out there today um, and uh, completed some nice, had some nice touch, some nice arm strength. So uh, a good day for uh, for the Raiders' young quarterback from Auburn University. Uh, it's all just kind of laying the groundwork work right now, but you could tell that what the what we saw today was better than what we saw last week, and that's understandable. They're laying the cement right now for the foundation, and what we what we saw today, uh, as as offensive line coach Carmen Brasillo uh, talked about when we talked to him uh, today 
What we saw today was the um, furthering of what they're learning, um, a little bit of more of a confidence of what they know now under this system. Uh, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be a learning curve. But usually when you do something a little bit better with a little bit more assertiveness, with a little bit more confidence, it usually happens because you're a little bit more comfortable with the information and you're getting it. You're starting to get it. You're starting to talk about it for, as Carmen talked about, the third or fourth time now. Uh, and now that allows you to go do it with a little bit more freedom and a little bit more confidence. I think we saw that today compared to what we saw last week. And that's what this part of this season is all about. That's what part of this, that, that this process is all about. Um, and it leads now into minicamp next week, June 7th through the 9th. Uh, and then everybody takes a little bit of a break and uh, attacks it back in July. I think it's going to be the third week of July or so that the Raiders open their training camp. Remember, they start a week earlier because they're in the Hall of Fame game. Um, but you, you're starting to see a team being put together right now. You're starting to see the foundation of an offense and a defense. And it's pretty cool to uh, to see. Uh, and we're going to talk all about it. We want your thoughts, 702-365-9200, whatever questions you might have. Uh, we'll answer them to the best of our ability. At 4.30, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal, he was out there with us today. Uh, he'll join us to uh, share his thoughts and his observations. Uh, but before we get to all of that, just want to remind everybody that this half of In the Huddle is brought to you by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. You know, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Uh, and unfortunately, we all know somebody ourselves or a loved one or a friend that are in that predicament. Well, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe forms of pain. Uh, call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how you can live the life you deserve and you deserve to live a life as pain-free as possible. So give them a call, 702-257-7246. That's 702 702- Two five seven seven two four six. All right. So um, we were out at Henderson, the practice facility in Henderson, uh, earlier today, and uh, got a chance to see for the second time this version of the Raiders uh, out on the grass. And uh, you can see the progress from last week. That's understandable and and expected. And remember, you know, you're putting in a new offense. You're putting in a new defense. And guys are learning a new verbiage. Uh, they're they're learning new play calls, new number calls. There's a lot that's going on right now, and it's all a heavy load of information. A lot of it is in the classroom. Uh, that's a big part of what's going on this time of year. And then that gets transferred. The good part of it um, this time of year is that you can then take what you learned out onto the grass. Uh, and day after day, hour after hour, class after cra- class, practice after practice, you start seeing um, an understanding, a better understanding, a, a, a firmer grasp of the information. And usually, this goes for anything in life, usually when you have a good, confident grasp of something, your play is going to reflect that. And, um, you know, I felt like today watching the run game period, remember last week we talked about how the offense had to eventually call, call a timeout on itself and go run a lap? There was none of that today. Um, I didn't see... There weren't any penalties that I that I recall. Um, I felt like it was positive moving forward um, in basically all aspects. Now there's some cleaning up to do. There's no question about it. I'm not in the huddle, so I don't know what the play call was or if everybody ran the same route. I didn't see any drop balls. Uh, I don't think I saw an interception uh, today, um, at least not with Derek Carr uh, or, or, or Stidham. Uh, didn't see every single ball thrown, but I don't remember uh, an interception today. I just felt like the offense looked 
uh, pretty crisp. And uh, I felt like the offensive line, and I've been really trying to uh, zone in on on the offensive line because to me that's going to be such a critical component. It's going to be a critical piece in the Raiders' success. Let, let's admit it. Um, if we're being completely honest, uh, the Raiders won a lot of games last year, got as far as they've gotten in a long time, almost in spite of the offensive line rather than because of it. All right. I, 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 I don't think a lot of times nothing is as bad as it might seem or maybe even as good as it might seem. So I think um, there were some good moments for the offensive line. I can remember being in the press box uh, watching guys move guys and, um, and, and being impressed by it. There were also some down periods. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we're not going to rehash why or uh, all of that. What's key is can they improve from that? And um, it was really interesting talking to Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive line coach, but also watching the offensive line today and how they conducted themselves. Uh, there was a, kind of an edge of physicality to them. Uh, I know it's just shorts and all that, but trust me, there's competitive juices flowing out there. Guys are getting after it to the extent that they can get after it. And you can tell a lot of times just by demeanor and body language and, and how they're firing off the ball and you know getting to where they need to get to, whether it's to the second level or in attack mode uh, at the first level or pulling. I saw a lot of guard uh, pull pulls today uh, and and doing it with confidence. And and you saw I felt like I saw that uh, today. Um, and I think that that absolutely bodes well uh, moving forward because if there's one thing that the Raiders have been deficient. At especially last year, they they were never able to establish a firm running game, um, an efficient, effective running game, and they certainly weren't ever really able to just say, you know what, we're going to run the ball down your throat right now. I don't care if you know what it's that it's coming. I don't care if we line up in uh, obvious run personnel groupings, and the whole stadium and everyone watching on TV uh, knows that we're going to run it. We're still going to complete the mission. We're still going to impose our will on you, the defense, and um, you're going to feel our wrath. Sometimes you just have to do that in football. Sometimes you just have to say it's us against you. We all know what's going to happen here. We all know what the play is going to be, basically. And uh, we're going to make sure that we win this battle right here. And far too often last year, the Raiders just weren't capable of doing it. Now, when I talk about, like, Kind of what I saw today with with an intent and a physicality uh, about it. I want to run some numbers by you guys. Um, the New England Patriots last year, and we talk about the New England Patriots. You got to. Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator there there last year. Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, coached on that offensive side of the ball last year. Obviously, Mick Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator, was an offensive uh, offense of assistant with the New England Patriots last year. So the brain trust of last year's New England Patriots offense is now the brain trust of the Raiders offense. So you have to look at some of the things that they did, what they hung their hat on, what they emphasized, what they prioritized, um, and 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 think, okay, they're probably going to try to establish some of the same uh, elements here uh, it, with, with the Las Vegas Raiders, right? You, I mean, that stands to reason. That's what they have seemed to, um, you know, uh, that, that, that's their philosophy. You would imagine um, they're not going to adhere to it exactly. It's not going to be look exactly the same. But some of their principles and foundations are going to carry over. The New, England pa- the New England Patriots last year ran for the eighth most yards in the NFL. They averaged, per carry, the 11th most yards per carry. 4.4 yards per carry. 
Okay. DeMond Cotton. Yes. Do you know who the New England Patriots top running back was last year in terms of yards? Sony Michelle. No. <laughs> uh, James Gray. No, just, no. You know, You're going way Bolton. back. No, he was uh, among the uh, top three, but no. Damian Harris was the New England Patriots statistically best running back last year. He had 929 yards on 202 carries. That works out to a 4.6 yard per carry average. Number two was Ramonde, Ramondre, I'm sorry, Stevenson. He had 606 yards on 133 carries, good for 4.6 yards per carry. Number that was th- actually going to be my first guest. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes <laughs> you got to go with your gut instinct, Damon. Let that be a lesson to you. Number three was Brandon Bolden. He gained 226 yards on 44 carries. 5.1 yards per carry. As a team, the Patriots averaged a very healthy 4.4 yards per carry. They uh, gained 2,151 uh, yards and scored 24 touchdowns on the ground. They had a long of, tw- of 64 yards. I'm just saying that none of those running backs, all due respect to Brandon Bolden, who's here now with the Raiders, but it wasn't like any of those running backs were household names, right? I mean, they were, they're obviously, they're good at what they do, but it's not like when you think about best running backs in the NFL, those names, those three names come up. Yet, here's 4.6, 4.6, 5.1 yards per carry. All right. So, all right. Okay. So, so they, they were, it was a healthy run game with some, um, you know, just non-household name running backs. Offensive line. Do you, Damon Cotton, can you name the Patriots offensive line last year? I got Trent Brown. Trent Brown, who played, I think, half of the games. Yes, he was one of the tackles last year. He played half of the games. Shaq Mason, David Andrews, Michael Onweno, and Isaiah Wynn. I mean, okay, uh, when, when, when you hear those names, Damon Cotton, what are you thinking? I actually think Shaq Mason's pretty good. He is. And then him and Trent Brown, were, is he a, was he a right guard or a left guard? Maybe? He was the left. Isaiah Wynn was a left. Oh, sorry. Uh, Shaq Mason was the right guard, yeah. Well, when I hear that, I don't think it's like an, an all-time offensive line, but I right. do think that right side when Trent Brown was healthy was pretty darn good. Yeah, and it was half the time, so they had to make do. But in the games he played, that's what yes. matters. Like that Buffalo game where they get 200-something yards right. in the snow. Where everyone knew what was going yeah. on. Yeah. But you can give him the credit, but it's also, you know, I'm just I'm not saying that these guys made all the difference, but right, right. Jack Mason, Trent, and Trent Brown. They were getting after that's it. pretty yeah, that's pretty good right guard, right tackle combo mm-hmm. when they're playing. No doubt no doubt about it. Um but you know, it was it was all right, you know, um some some really good some solid offensive linemen, let's put it that way, right? I don't under you know, to me, a lot of what the Patriots did last year, and of course it comes down to execution, it comes down to player play, you know, players playing well. But there's also scheme, there's also intent, there's also philosophy, there's also um this is what we do, this is how we're gonna do it. And I think that that can translate. I know it's not gonna be exactly the same, but I but I do think, I do think, come hell or high water, Devon Cotton. I think the Raiders are going to be able to establish a run game, a solid enough run game. And what I saw today 
And really last week, too, especially after they ran that lap and they came back and really finished that segment, uh, they, they rallied and finished that segment strong. It just looks different. And it, it looks like this is going to be something that they want to hang their hat on. And I asked Carmen Brasillo, the Raiders' offensive line coach, look, when it gets going, when games start being played, and people think of the Las Vegas Raiders' offensive line, what is it that you want them to think about? And here's Carmen Brasillo. Smart, tough, play their best football when it counts the most. Smart, tough, play their best football when it counts the most. It's something that, as we've kind of gotten the the, the kind of the, the basics of the of the system kind of installed, and now we're kind of rehashing some of it. They're hearing it a second and third time. I've had an opportunity, I think, to start challenging on some of those things of, of what you want your resume to be. You know, when you put the film out there, what's your resume? And uh, so we're starting to move towards that a little bit. But What do you want your resume to be? Well, we know right now, um, I mean, there's nothing we can, uh, we're going to have to wait and see what that resume is going to look like. Uh, But I I do believe in sort of the power of this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. And um, we're not going to settle for anything less. And I think that, you know, the John Gruden and the way they did things um, was the way they did things. I know that John Gruden wanted to be a big, powerful run game team, and there were times where they were able to pull that off. Um, but there were too many times, too many times, when it got right down to it, and they needed a couple of yards, and they needed they needed to either run the clock out or they needed to to take charge in the red zone and be efficient and be crisp and be physical and really creative too cuz i saw a lot of creativeness uh today in how the raiders were were conducting some of their run segment uh, uh, at practice when it got right down to it too often the raiders weren't able to do it and i'm really curious to see with this new vision with this new coaching staff are they going to be able to pull it off and i can i can kind of tell that it's something that they're going to keep working at and they're going to emphasize and they're going to stress. And I believe truly when you emphasize something, you get better at it. Obviously it takes work, but it's also a mindset, man. It's also a mindset. Damon, you pointed out that Buffalo Bills game. And this was with a quarterback that Mac Jones isn't running (laughs) anything, right? Neither will Derek Carr. We're let's you know let's be honest about that. So a lot of great run teams now have quarterbacks that can run the ball. You know Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills, um, he can he can run the heck out of the ball. So that adds. It's almost like having an extra running back back there, somebody that you have to account for for sure. Um, but to do what they did with a guy that was is basically a statue back there and not any kind of an element in the run game shows me that they can scheme it up and they can emphasize it and they can prioritize it and they can get it done. And I think, Damon, how important to you would the Raiders establishing a good solid run game and and really a physical run game be? Oh, it'd be important because so many games last year, you maybe like you could say, you can point out the game is different if they take care of the if they take care of the ball and establish the run game early. Early in KC, the first play, Josh Jacobs fumbles and they took it back. But hey, maybe if they can, you know, be a little bit stronger, he holds on to the ball, they establish the run, the game's a little bit different. Maybe it's a little bit closer, not saying that they win if they just run the ball better. But that's a game where, hey, if the run game's a little bit better, the game's a little bit closer. Right. 
or the, so you can just always you can go back and point out games last season where the outcome could be a little bit different if the running game gets going a little bit earlier because I always got to go back to that Josh Jacobs quote of hey you guys see those holes what do you want me to do and what you're saying about the Patriots you could probably still put Josh Jacobs on that team and he'd probably he'd be even better uh, he'd have a season. thousand yards exactly but the scheme would be better like you're saying yeah sometimes you don't need an all pro off you don't need the Cowboys exactly. in the 90s offensive right. line it's about how these coaches McDaniels Brasillo how they're going to scheme it up and free up those holes for the running backs right and I think that um you know and, and Carmen uh Brasillo the offensive line coach uh, you know uh, I love the answer uh because and he didn't even hesitate smart physical Play your best when you have to play your best. That's a that's the element that we're not going to find out about until it gets down to that point. Um, but and for the, I, I don't know if it's just a Thursday thing or the time of day, whatever. But they start off when they get to eleven on eleven for for the first time in a practice that I've noticed these last couple of weeks. They they literally start off in the red zone, red zone and they literally start off. To my recollection, anyway, uh, in my you know uh, w- watching from where I'm watching, in a run segment, it's it's to me they made it they make that a priority. Then they you know they they do other things. Then they go to the fifty. Then they go set it up uh, elsewhere along the field and throw it and do some run, uh, pass game segments and all that. But it's like right off the bat. I don't know if this is intentional, coincidental, or whatever. But right off the bat, they're going to the red zone, and it's like. A whole bunch of uh, run plays, one after another, and a whole bunch of different-looking run plays. Uh, And that tells me that they're prioritizing it and they're making it a focal point. And if you look back, like Damon just said, there were games that were lost last year because the Raiders couldn't run the ball successfully. And I know uh, Mike Gillespie uh, on on Twitter uh, uh, DM me. We've been exchanging some Twitter uh, DMs, and he was like, he you know he feels like anyone that's expecting an aerial attack from these from the from the Raiders uh, is going to be in for a disappointment. I because when you look at the Patriots last year, they were a little bit stubborn in running the ball uh, when people were saying you should throw the ball more often. But I felt like they did that because I don't think they had a whole lot of trust in their quarterback. Bingo. We're talking about Mac Jones versus Derek Carr. Yeah, Mac Jones didn't make the Pro Bowl. You know, it's not that hard to make it when everybody drops out. But Mac Jones, he had a good year. He, but he, he, he had a good year. He did make the Pro Bowl, right. but it's just that different caliber. Because if you can say that, you can also point back to teams of New England past and say, well, hey, man, Brady threw for right. was it, exactly. darn near 50 touchdowns yeah. one season. I, exactly. I think the, I think what 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 uh, what Josh McDaniels might might have this year. And look, at, here's the thing. If the Raiders can run for like 4.4 yards per carry, I got to look what they did last year. I don't know if they got to the four point, um, you know, that 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 high. If you could, if you could look that up, I know that I think that Josh got to four. I may have gotten to four, um, but 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 anyway, they were f- way further down in terms of the run game statistics last year. Um, if if the Raiders can run at that kind of a, I, mean, I think they may be able to do it better because I think they have better running backs. I mean, when you talk about Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Uh, and now, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the rookie from Georgia, these guys are pretty good running backs. And then you got Brandon Bull. What did they run for last year? Um, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, also in a short sample size, but both were at 4.0 yards per carry. Okay, so. Exactly 4.0. Yeah, as a team, they probably, I would say, 3 point something. 3.9 as a team. Right. That's a big difference right there. If the, if, if the, the, uh, the, 
the the Raiders this year don't have to run as much as the Patriots did last year, and there's I think obvious reasons why they they ran so much. Like like Demond said, their quarterback just was a rookie quarterback, and you know a, a, a good but probably limited quarterback, especially where he was in the whole scheme of things. Whereas this year, if the if if Josh McDaniels, Carmen Brasillo, and um, uh, and the offensive coordinator um, uh, Mick uh, Lombardi can replicate what they did on the on the ground in New England and couple it with what they're going to be able to do with the pass game here. I don't think they're going to have to run it as much, but if they could do it as efficiently and maybe in a short in a smaller sample size because they're probably not going to have to run as much, do it even better coupled with a pass game that I think could be second to none in the NFL. I truly believe that. This has a chance to be a really good offense. And I think that between scheme, intent, uh, fundamentals, this offensive line has a chance to be good enough. It could be great. I don't know. But I don't think it's going to be downright bad. I still think there's some tinkering that can happen. Uh, but I think if you could get it to, 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 to good enough and maybe a little bit above, this offense has a chance to be spectacular. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We are live from the Findlay Cadillac Performance Studio here in Las Vegas. You're on In the Huddle. With Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahutter. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday after a big day over in Henderson. And to that end, we're going to welcome in to the Raider Nation Radio guest line a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show, my colleague, my buddy, uh, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, doing well, Vinny. Happy Thursday. How are you? Happy Thursday to you. And uh, you know, let's let's face it. We just spent a couple hours together earlier uh, in Henderson. <laughs> Had a lot of fun uh, watching some uh, some Raider practice. I made the observation, uh, Sam, that I felt like saw a little bit of improvement from last week to this week. And when I say improvement, I'm talking about you know just the efficiency and um, you know how crisp they looked and uh, doing things with a little bit more confidence because they probably know the information a little bit more. What were your observations from today? Yeah, same thing, Vinny. I mean, it just it just felt like a I guess like a cleaner practice. And that makes sense because you know they're more experienced at, at doing all this. You have more reps in the classroom, a few more reps out on the football field, and, and just getting more comfortable. Um, with Josh McDaniels and the coaching staff, and hearing from some players afterwards, I mean that's that's kind of what they expressed to us too, right? Just the general, you know, confidence and comfortability that they're developing with with the new coaching staff. Staff, of course, it's a lot of new material, and it's to be expected that there's going to be a learning curve. Um, hence, why I think it was a you know slightly, I don't know if sloppy is the the right word in terms of last week, but a little less refined. Uh, but with you know with extra time, with extra reps in the classroom, these are these, this is why this is important. It's, it's very foundational. Uh, at this stage, just introducing principles and concepts and the basics of what they want to do. And it feels like the players are, are starting to get a better grasp um, of that material and, and, and starting to understand what the coaches are looking for um, as well. So uh, it felt like from, from the Raiders' perspective that things are trending in a, in a positive direction. And that would be the kind of the hope and the expectation this time of year, right? That's why, that's why you do all this is to prepare 
and a layup foundation. It seems like that's being laid so far. Sam Gordon, uh, the New England Patriots last year ran for the eighth most yards in the NFL and averaged uh, the 11th most yards per carry in the NFL. Now, I know a, a lot of that was they had a rookie quarterback and they wanted to you know kind of create a uh, cushion and a comfort level around him. Um, you know, uh, and not ask them to do too too much, but so they decided they're going to run the ball quite a bit last year. Um, but I got to ask you something: Could you name the New England Patriots top running back from last year? Ooh, geez, was it Damian Harris? It was. Uh, ding, ding, uh, ding. Okay, okay, okay. All right, and I, you know, a good running back, but you know, he wasn't. He's not like an all pro running back or anything like that. And then I looked at their offensive line. I'm like, all right, I mean. You know, there's some decent players on their offensive line. Obviously, they're in the NFL. They're they're the top one percent in the on the planet, uh, but they're not household names necessarily along the offensive line either. Um, and I was watching the Raiders in their run game segment uh, today, and I felt like they were doing things with an intent uh, and making a priority. And they, they it just looked different from how run game segments were run the last couple of years. Um, how important? To you, is it that the Raiders elevate the run game and create something that can be efficient as a balance and complement to the pass game? Well, I think it's huge, right? I, I think it's huge. And, and when you take a look at the Raiders' offense, when you when you take a look at the personnel on the perimeter, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, et cetera, et cetera, there's, there's an understanding, at least it, it feels like there's an understanding it's going to be a pass-first offense. That's fine. That's the way the, the league is going. That's what your strengths are at this point. And you have a quarterback that just threw – uh, for almost 5,000 yards last season with better personnel around him now. Uh, but if, you know, as you recall, Vinny, down the stretch uh, in making that run towards the postseason, there was a semblance of a running game that hadn't been there earlier in the year. And I'm not saying that the expectation or that there's a need to, to be a run heavy team or a power football team or any of those things, certainly not. But I think there's merit to being able to situationally run the football and being able to impose your will to some degree when the game calls for it. I mean, even the great. Um, New England Patriots teams with Tom Brady the last decade uh, always predicated on their passing offense, certainly for the most part, right? But when they needed to run the ball or when a game plan called for it or when there was favorable matchups, you got the sense that they were always able to, um, regardless to your point, regardless of the personnel uh, in the backfield. So having a refine, you know, refining the, the play up front on the offensive line is, is first and foremost a priority. But in doing that, uh, I think you're going to be able to unlock a little bit more uh, in the running game that this team has lacked in the last couple of years. And, that, again, you don't have to run for 150 yards a game or be the Baltimore Ravens or the Indianapolis Colts or a team like that. But to have the option to be able to do it efficiently, uh, it makes sense that it's a focal point and a point of emphasis because it's certainly been a weakness of this team the last couple of years. And the more balance, uh, the better, because you, the pass game is only going more efficient if you're able to run the ball with some semblance of success on a consistent basis. Well, look, um, if if the Patriots, if, if the Raiders can replicate um, – some of what they, they don't have to run for as many yards as the Patriots did last right. year. Uh, but if they could do it as efficiently as the, as the uh, Patriots did last year, the 4.4 yards per carry, uh, and complement it with this kind of a pass game, isn't that the best of both worlds at that point? Yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly if a game plan calls for a, a run-heavy you know, kind of day, uh, you're able to go to that. You're able to go to it situationally around the goal line uh, when you need to burn clock, when you need to have a long, sustained drive when that's the goal. Um, having in a running game is certainly a, a factor, and there's there's a lot of merit there. So I'm with you. It doesn't have to be – they don't have to have one of the top ten most potent, you know, in terms of volume r- running games. But if there is a way to, to get to be 10 or 15, even 10 or 15% more efficient 
than you were the last couple of years. That's that's growth. That's improvement. And that, in turn, I think opens up what you're able to do, uh, not, not, not only offensively big picture in terms of games, but situationally and with, with your adjustments as well. So uh, it's a crucial component, right? It may not be what it was in the 90s or the 80s or, or back then because of some of the rule changes and just the way that football's evolved. Uh, but it feels, you know, for the most part, the good teams, when they need to do it, when they need to go to that, they can. And for the last couple of years, it's been unreliable for the Raiders. So if they can, again, refine that to your point, 4.4, that's not – that's not asking for a ton. That's pretty efficient, but it's not asking for, for wholesale changes or upgrades. You're just getting slightly more efficient, and that would be huge uh, in terms of the big picture of what the Raiders want to do offensively. We're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, if you want to read his uh, his coverage, especially of the Raiders, just download the app, Vegas Nation, or go to VegasNation.com on the computer, and you can read all of Sam's great uh, work uh, over there. Uh, Sam, we got a chance to talk to uh, none other than Hunter Renfro uh, earlier today. And um, it, it was interesting, you know, watching and, and listening to Hunter. Uh, he just, he, he's going into year four, time flies. Uh, it's unbelievable. But here we are with Hunter Renfro as one of the, um, you know, mainstays, focal points, um, cogs, main cogs of this offense uh, now in his, in his fourth year. And it was really interesting, uh, Sam, and I want to get your thoughts on this, to hear him talk about Devontae Adams. Um, and, and, you know, while they are so opposite in so many different ways, um, you know, their size, the, you know, athletic ability, all that type of stuff, there's some similarities there. If you put the tape in and watch these two players operate at the line of scrimmage and their pass route running uh, and the, the subtle parts of the wide receiver game, and I think there's some shared traits there. Uh, how good is that tandem when it comes to that part of the game? Oh, geez. I mean, I think you're looking at, I mean, I don't know. Is that the best combination of route runners in the NFL? Like, it, it might be. You can certainly make a, a compelling case. Devontae Adams has long known, been known for uh, his efficiency as a route runner. And again, Vinny, I, you know, really a complete receiver. I, I feel like I'm, you know, beating, beating the horse to death when I talk about this, but there's nothing he can't do. He's, he's got speed. He's physical. He's great after the catch. He's an excellent blocker. And when you add his route running, it just unlocks those things so much more and it creates so much more unpredictability uh, in terms of what he's going to do play to play. And, and to the same, you know, to that same point, Hunter Renfro proved in, I mean, in year three, I mean, when you're a thousand yards and a hundred catches uh, as a slot receiver, that's major. That, I mean, that's huge. And that's without a consistent perimeter threat on the outside uh, because of some injuries, because of some off the field stuff, right? As we know, uh, there wasn't really a compliment to him last year with Darren Waller out. So now when you, when you kind of envision what this offense can be, when you have technicians on the perimeter and in the slot, and then you, you couple that uh, with the skills that the other receivers on this roster has, uh, it, it, there, there's opportunities here for this offense to be really special. Of course, we need to see how it translates, but the skill, uh, you know, route running, technique, all that, like that's, that, that always wins. That always works. Like the, the best of the best, and that's what these two guys are. Uh, are refined with the details and, and that route running at, at this level um, is about details. It's about understanding the fundamentals. And when you have two guys like that on the same team, um, I think it's, I mean, it's going to open up all kinds of space uh, after the catch, you know, all three levels of the field. I think this offense has a chance to be really, really explosive uh, with those guys helping to anchor it. Sam Gordon, I'm going to run some names at you real quick. All right. Marvin yep. Harrison, Reggie Wayne, mm. Brandon Stokely, mm. Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, Steve Breeston. When you hear those mm. six names, what do you think I'm talking about here? Uh, great trios. Great pass-catching trios. I want to say maybe guys that 
all had over 100 catches in the same season? Is that impossible? Not quite. Over ah. all three, over a thousand yards receiving on the same team in the same year. Hmm. 2004, 2008. It was done three other times. Uh, 1980, uh, Kellen Winslow, John Jefferson, and Charlie Jones. Maybe that was be- even the better uh, combination when you com- when you compare that to the Raiders uh, with the tight end, i.e., Kellen Winslow in Darren Waller, John Jefferson, and Charlie Jones, the wide receivers in Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro. It can be done. When we were talking uh, to to Hunter today and talking about you know stats and statistics and finding your way and you know uh, amid some really talented players, I don't think there's any question in my mind if these three uh, uh, players stay healthy: Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, um, and, and Devonte Adams. We could be talking about. Over a thousand yards receiving for all three wide or all three uh, uh, targets. It's been done before, and I think these three have a chance to do exactly that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you completely. I mean, it's it's a feat that all three have obviously accomplished uh, in the past, and and you know, without I mean, Renfro's done it once. The other guys, of course, multiple times. Uh, Devontae Adams, one of the most statistically productive receivers in the last I don't know five to ten years. And, you know, a guy that's on track to be a Hall of Fame caliber player. It's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely feasible when, when 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 you consider that this is probably going to be a, a pretty pass heavy offense. That's why you went out and got Devontae Adams in part to be a little bit more explosive uh, in the passing game. And and you figure, you know, there's the tempo that Josh McDaniels is going to want to run and the kind of system he's going to want to run and the the attention that any one of these three can command on any given play. Uh, there's going to be I, I can imagine there's going to be games where you know you see two two of the three get 100 and some yards and. Another one only having 30, and then it's going to switch because, like, pick your poison. What are you going to do? That's the point of assembling a, a trio like this, again, where the skill sets of all three complement one another. You have the, the skilled slot receiver that can do things after the catch. You have the guy on the perimeter that does everything. And then you have 6'5", 260, Darren Waller. That's a, a matchup nightmare uh, for linebackers, safeties, corners, whoever. Like, how do you, how do you guard them? Them three together with, with, with Josh McDaniels, um, you know, putting – the putting the pieces in place, like, it, it has a chance to be really, really explosive. And, again, health permitting, um, that's the most important thing. But I, you have to imagine, Vinny, that those three are going to, you know, probably account for, what, 85 90% of the targets. I mean, maybe that's a little steep. But, again, these are, you know, pro Bowl, all pro caliber players. You're going to feature them respectively, in, especially in situations where guys have favorable matchups. There's matchup nightmares all over the field. And, uh, again, if this has a chance to be a top, you know, six, seven, five, eight, whatever offense, that's – that's why you have these pieces in place. It could be really, really special if it all clicks and comes together. And by the way, that Arizona team, yeah, they went to the Super Bowl. That uh, Colts mm. team in 20, 2004 went 12-4. and four. Um, So uh, not only it's the best of both worlds type of a thing, not only can that actually happen with these weapons on the Raiders, uh, but there can be team success uh, as well, and so uh, we'll we'll keep uh, an eye on that. Last question for you, uh, Sam Gordon. We talked to uh, Chandler Jones today. Uh, he's been fun to to talk to uh, and get to know. Brings a lot of insight, um, and uh, you know it's fun when you when you you don't know somebody, and uh, he's been mm-hmm. on another team that you don't cover, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden he's on the team that you cover, and you you know you listen to him and you get to uh, talk to him and hear what he has to say. Pretty impressive dude, uh, and I know he was asked a couple of times today uh, how much he might have left in the in the gas tank, uh, and I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that he's got some uh, some juice left uh, in the tank, and, and this is going to be a pretty formidable defensive end or pass rush duo between him and, and Max Crosby. Yeah, I'm I'm 110 percent with you. I mean, he had double figure sacks. 
um, last season. That was despite, you know, dealing with some injuries and whatnot. And uh, has been one of the most consistent pass rushers in the league. Look, he was, I mean, he's a veteran. He's been a veteran for a while. And to still be able to produce at this level, I mean, clearly he understands what needs to be done to adapt in order to sustain a high level of play at one of the most physical uh, positions in the NFL. I, I, I'm with you, Vinny. It was, it was really cool to hear from him today. And, and even though he's been in the league, what, this 11, 12 years, whatever it is, you still sense the enthusiasm and the joy that he approaches football with. And, and that's really, really cool because it is a job for these guys and there, it is an enormous amount of responsibility but it's also a game that they you know, all, all loved at one point. And to see that love still there at the highest of levels, um, when he's been at the pinnacle, right? He's played for the New England Patriots. He had almost 20 sacks. He's done pretty much everything um, there is to do uh, in the league. So for, for him to, to, to have that kind of energy and enthusiasm of what he was able to share with us, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was awesome. And you can only imagine what, what, what value he's bringing you know, behind the scenes, but what we don't get to see in the locker room with other young players and being a leader on this defense. So, um, I, yeah, I, whatever the, the, the statistical production is going to be what it's going to be, but um, you assembled this duo for a reason. Uh, he had, you know, almost 12 sacks last year, and I don't see there's any, I don't see there's any reason that we're going to see a dramatic, you know, fall off um, this year. He looks fantastic. Uh, he understands, again, how to sustain play uh, for, for a really long time based on what he did, and, and it's, it's understandable why you want to put him opposite Max Crosby because it all starts with getting after the quarterback – Everything else uh, defensively builds out from there, and now you have one of the, the best pass rush duos uh, in the NFL here in Las Vegas. I'm giving you 20 seconds. Give me a who and a why for the NBA championship. Oh, geez. Um, I see this going one of two ways, Boston in six or Golden State in seven. I'm going to take Boston. I think they um, are the more battle-tested, more physical team, at least in this particular series, and they have the, the, the defensively, um, they have the personnel to slow down an offense that is, as we know, unstoppable. But it's a battle, you know, it's, it's styles make fights, Vinny. It's an excellent matchup. I think a long series nonetheless, and Golden State is, has changed, so it's not going to be easy for Boston either way, but I'm going to go Boston in six over the Golden State Warriors. There he goes, the great Sam Gordon. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us in the huddle, my friend. I will see you in the next couple of days. Appreciate the help, brother. Anytime, Vinny. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon. Take care. You got it. That was Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and you are in the huddle live from the Finley Cadillacs Performance Studio here in Las Vegas, um, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and uh, really jealous right now watching uh, the pregame show for the Warriors against the Celtics. I love the NBA. I love this time of year. Um, wish my Lakers were in the finals, but so be it. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, hopefully, are going to carry it for California starting tonight against Boston Celtics. Hard to even say those two words. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Our thanks. Our thanks again to uh, Sam Gordon. From the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, kind enough to join us in the huddle, always brings insightful uh, element and uh, information. We are live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, the Golden State Warriors, and Boston Celtics are currently warming up at Chase Arena up in San Francisco. I love when uh, the uh, when you cover this event, when you cover you know the 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 NBA Finals. And usually it's a West Coast team against an East Coast team or an Eastern Hemisphere team. When you're 
covering it from the West Coast perspective, these games start at 6 o'clock, which is a lovely time to start a basketball game, by the way. Gives you a little bit more time on deadline after the game to go down in the locker room and talk to players, get back up and write your story. When you're back East, it's a completely different situation. I don't think, oh, my God, my experience, man. I don't think that uh, people realize if you haven't gone back East to watch, whether it's Monday Night Football or you know the NBA Finals, the games don't start till 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Even for somebody who covers it, it is a long you-know-what day. You're waiting around the hotel. You're trying to like stay alert and not get tired. But it's 9 o'clock at night that the game actually starts, DeMond Cotton. There's a long wait. Go ahead. All right, I'll give you this. You're mm-hmm. reporting it. Would you rather be on the East Coast for an East Coast night game or be on the West Coast in your home, but you got to cover a London game. Okay, one more time. So either be on the East Coast for a late night East Coast game, let's say Monday night, nine football, o'clock, yeah, or be on the West Coast in your in your home for a London game, covering it at like seven six o'clock in the morning. Yes. Uh, well, um, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, I don't have to cover games from the couch, uh, which is that's what you would be doing uh, at six a.m. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. We always on the way on the on the way, like for instance, the New York Mets are playing the Dodgers tonight, right? In Los Angeles, the game starts in LA at seven o'clock. You do the math. What time does that start in New York? Ten o'clock. Right. That means that when the game is over, three out. Let's just say three hours later, seven ten 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 p.m. on the West Coast is one a.m. on the East Coast. So you're talking about. If you're writing for a newspaper, you have to get something in there so that it's when it when it gets delivered to somebody's house, there's some story in the hole uh, that you have to. And generally, it's not going to be the the final score uh, at all. Um, so, but when you go, so it's just a nightmare for the East. We we laugh at those guys and uh, give them you know what because uh, the deadline is incredible. Now, when you're if you're the Dodgers playing the Mets and it's a seven o'clock start in New York like normal start time, that's 4 o'clock back here. So you could take your time. You have, like, endless amounts of time after deadline to do a pretty good story unless it goes into, you know, extra innings or overtime. So uh, I like being on the West Coast. Even the, even uh, Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, that starts 5 o'clock hour time, right? That's not the worst start time. Um, it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit on, on deadline. But, man, going to the East Coast – uh, to cover a game and having to wait till nine o'clock, whether it's the NBA or eight o'clock, eight thirty, sometimes for that Sunday night kickoff. Geez, it's a long day, and that's from our perspective. The media, the players have to deal with the same exact thing. You just, if you're at home, you at least have your home uh, comforts to to be able to sort of get you through. When you're on the road, you're just sitting in a hotel room for long periods of time. Uh, it, cre- it gives, I think, the East Coast teams, in that case, an edge. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. The weather and hockey are both heating up. Make sure and catch the Western and Eastern Championship games all week long on your radio home for hockey, 1230 The Game. Brought to you by Finley Toyota. We're here for you. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products 
are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.